Well, good morning and welcome to our new sermon series called Famous Last Words. And the thought behind the sermon series is that the words that people choose uh, to speak right before they die are often very impactful. And if you go online, uh, you can find lists and lists of famous people and the last words that they have recorded. Uh, and I want to show you a couple of them that stuck out to me. Uh, first one, Winston Churchill said, I'm bored with it all. Interesting thing to say. Uh, Jack Daniel said, one last drink, please. You know, the Jack Daniel that invented the whiskey. Uh, uh, Leonardo da Vinci said, I have offended, offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. So this is coming from the guy who made the Mona Lisa, and on his deathbed he feels guilty they didn't work hard enough? I don't know. Uh, hey, fellas, how about this for a headline for tomorrow's paper? French fries. Uh, so this is... James Donald French, he was a serial killer, and he got put to get death on the electric chair. So, French, fries, get it? Uh, you've got to see Gianna play basketball. Uh, these were the last words that Kobe Bryant said to his friend Jay-Z uh, before his helicopter crash a few weeks ago. And that leads us to famous last words. Famous last words, they're often impactful, they're often powerful. If you've ever had a loved one die, I bet you could remember and you could say the last thing that they told you before they died. I bet you still have that memory, that echo in your head of what they told you. Because the last words that people say before they die are often powerful. And the same is true with Jesus. The Bible makes it clear that when Jesus died, he hung on a cross for six hours. And the scriptures record seven different things that Jesus said as he hung on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. Uh, today you will be with me in paradise. He said that to the criminal hanging next to him. Uh, to his uh, mother, he said, here is your son, here is your mother. Uh, number four, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, he said, I'm thirsty, it is finished. And Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So during the, the Sundays at Lent, we will be focusing on these statements that Jesus made from the cross. So let's uh, focus in on the first one then for today. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Jesus spoke this uh, right after the Roman soldiers put nails in his hands and feet. He has a prayer of forgiveness, for they don't know what they are doing. These Roman soldiers, the people that uh, crucified Jesus, they didn't fully understand that this was the Son of God who they were crucifying. So Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And what Jesus is asking to be forgiven uh, is ignorance, right? Ignorance. They don't know what they are doing. So ever heard the phrase, ignorance is bliss? Uh, in some ways I think it's true, but in some ways I don't think it's true. Uh, I think it's true in certain ways. Um, maybe, have you ever had a hot dog before? And maybe you're grilling out in the summer, you're eating a hot dog, and then you have someone come up to you and say, um, do you know what's in hot dogs? I saw this one documentary, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Ignorance is bliss. Let me enjoy my hot dog. Uh, a, a few months ago, uh, Apple, they came up with this uh, app for your phones that at the end of the day, they send you a notification for how long you looked at a screen that day. And uh, every once in a while, my phone would be like, you looked at your phone for two hours and 37 minutes today. I was like, thanks a lot, Apple. Ignorance is bliss, right? But in some ways, ignorance is not bliss. Uh, ignorance often doesn't get you out of problems. 
Like for example, if you get pulled over by a cop for going 50 over on the highway, do you think if you said, oh, sorry officer, I, I didn't know, is that gonna get you out of a ticket? No way. Or what if April 15th rolls around and the IRS, they're looking for your tax money and you just say, oh, I didn't know I had to pay taxes. Do you think that'll get you out of paying your taxes? No way. Ignorance often doesn't get you out of consequences. And in a lot of ways, the same is true with God. Because in the Bible, there are so many different commands, so many different ways how God expects you to live your life. But if you don't take the time to learn the Bible, if you don't take the time to hear about that, uh, it doesn't mean that you're not sinning by not learning what God expects from you. And we see this very clearly when you look at the Ten Commandments. Because I think lots of people, they have a vague idea of the Ten Commandments. You know, don't kill, uh, don't steal, that kind of thing. And when you read through them, uh, it's very easy for you to think, oh yeah, there's a couple of these that I've broken, but a couple of these, come on. I, I've never murdered anyone, I've never committed adultery. But as you dig deeper into the Bible, uh, Jesus says that anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. So if you have ever had hate in your heart, you are just as guilty as if you've murdered someone. So then you realize, oh, I, I guess I have broken that commandment. Or do not commit adultery. You're like, I'm not even married, or I've never cheated on my spouse like that. But in the Bible, if you look closely, Jesus says, whoever has lust for someone in his heart is the same as if he's committed adultery with her. You think, really? Lust? So if I've committed lust, I've also broken the commandment? And it's true. But what's interesting is that even though you didn't know you were committing those sins before you found out about it, you were still sinning when you lusted and had hate in your heart. Uh, the Apostle Paul went through something like this. Uh, in the book of Romans, he said, For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. So the Apostle Paul says, I didn't even know what coveting was. Coveting is this, this, this want for stuff that you shouldn't want. Uh, I didn't know that coveting was even in the Bible or that it was even a sin until I read, you shall not covet. And then as soon as I read that, I was like, wow, I break this commandment all the time. His ignorance uh, showed that he still broke the commandment even though he didn't know that it existed. There once was a man on a subway. And he was minding his own business, but he couldn't help but notice three naughty little children and their father sitting right there. And his three naughty children, they were, they were causing all sorts of problems. They were poking each other, yelling at each other. And the man, he, he tried to bite his tongue. But he said over to the father, Hey, don't you know how to watch your children? And that's when the man looked up. And he was wearing a suit. He looked sad. And he said, We just came back from my wife's funeral. Their mother. So I'm sorry, but no, I don't know how to watch these children. And the man cried back, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And isn't that be the same thing that we would say to God? I'm sorry, I didn't know. We read in the Bible how every time we sin, it's not only hurting other people, it hurts yourself, but ultimately every sin you commit is a sin against God. And you might not have known that. And you might say that to God. I'm sorry, God, I didn't know. 
But ignorance is not a get out of jail free card. Ignorance doesn't fix all your problems. People who are ignorant that Jesus is their savior still go to hell. Ignorance does not get you out of your problems. But we cry out to God, I'm sorry, I didn't know. But that's what makes these words so powerful. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Jesus offers a prayer of forgiveness of people who are ignorant. And that phrase, them there, uh, them there, the Father, forgive them, uh, it covers a lot of groups of people. I think directly Jesus is praying for the Roman soldiers right there who you know, put the nails on his hands and feet. But there are so many different groups of people that sinned against Jesus uh, on the day before he died. The religious leaders, they're the ones that pushed for it. They're the ones that pushed Jesus to go to trial so that he could be executed. You have Pontius Pilate, who didn't have the guts to stand up to the crowd, but just went along with it. Jesus' own disciples, they abandoned him. Random bystanders came up to the cross and hurled insults at him. There are so many groups of people that sinned against Jesus as he died. But he cried out, Father, forgive them. And I think that is just so powerful because Jesus doesn't say, Father, destroy them. Father, send down your angels and kill them all. Jesus didn't say that. Instead, when people were treating him the worst, he said, Father, forgive them. And that shows that Jesus is somebody who practiced what he preached. Because Jesus talked about forgiveness all the time. In one verse he said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I feel like if I heard Jesus preach that sermon, I feel like I might have raised my hand and say, Jesus, did you misspeak? Because I know you meant to say, love your friends and family members and pray for those who are nice to you. That, that would make a lot more sense to me. But love your, your enemies? Pray for those who persecute you? That's crazy. But that's exactly what Jesus did. When he was surrounded by his enemies, he prayed for them. He prayed for them, Father, forgive them. And there was another time when Jesus was talking to uh, his disciple Peter, and Peter came to him with a question about forgiveness. He said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? But Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And you kind of feel for Peter, right? Because if somebody actually did something bad to you seven times in a row, I think it would be reasonable for you to say, yeah, we're not going to be friends anymore. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. It makes sense. But what Jesus says here is not seven times, but 77 times. And we understand that Jesus is exaggerating. He doesn't actually want you to make a tally mark. All right, we're up to 76. I can almost cut you out of my life now. He doesn't say don't, don't count uh, how many times people sin against you. Instead, just always be forgiving. Because could you imagine, let's just, let's just for a moment, let's imagine that Jesus counted. Let's imagine that Jesus counted on the day before he died. How many people sinned against him? There was Judas. He betrayed him. That's one. And then the other 11 disciples ran away. 11, 12. And for every whip mark, 13, 14, 15, crown of thorns, 16, every insult, 17, 18, 19, every time he was hit, every time he was made fun of, 
Do you think Jesus easily could have got up to 77? I know he could have. So many different people sinned against Jesus in so many different ways as he was being crucified. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Jesus prayed a prayer of forgiveness. And that word in the Greek for forgive, um, the, the thought behind it is this idea of sending away or releasing someone. So it's kind of like if somebody owed you a ton of money, you could forgive their debts, meaning you're not my debtor anymore, I release you of your debt. Or if there's a slave owner, uh, he could forgive his slave, saying, you don't owe me any more work, you are free to go, I release you from that. And that's the thought behind the idea of forgiveness, is that Jesus forgives us from our sins. He releases us from that guilt, from that sin that weighs us down. For everything wrong that we've done, Jesus forgives us. He uncuffs us from the handcuffs of sins. He takes off the shackles that are weighing you down. Whatever's weighing you down, whatever guilt that you've done, Jesus releases you from that. And he did that by taking the punishment on himself instead. Because the Bible is clear that sin requires punishment, but instead of punishing you and me, God punished Jesus. And he released us from our punishment. He sent that punishment away from us. So when God sees you, he sees someone who's forgiven. For the sins that you've done, that you've known, for the sins that you've done that you don't know, you're released of that. They are sent away from you. You are forgiven. That's what Jesus prayed. He prayed a prayer of forgiveness when people were hurting him. And as followers of Jesus, knowing that we are forgiven, knowing that we get to go to heaven one day, out of thanks for God, we want to follow Jesus' example and forgive others when they sin against us. In the Lord's Prayer, there's a line that says, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We pray a prayer knowing that we sin every day, so we pray, forgive us. But when we know that we're forgiven, that leads us to want to forgive others who've sinned against us. But when you think about that line there, forgive those who sin against us, have a feeling that you might think of one of the worst memories that you've ever had in your life. You might think about that ex that you have. You might think about that family member that you don't talk to anymore. You might think about that girl that spread rumors about you on the internet. You might think about that cruel boss that you had. You might think about those doctors that were lazy and robbed you of years with a loved one. You might think about a really low point in your life. And that's when we have to realize that forgiveness is really, really hard sometimes. In this world, people do terrible, cruel things to one another. So how can we forgive someone? How can we forgive someone when the wound is still fresh? How can we forgive somebody when they sin against us over and over and over again? Well, let's just ask Rick Pals. Here's a picture of the Pals family. Uh, that's Jameson. He's the, the husband, and the wife, Catherine, is next to him there. Catherine, they, uh, they lived in Minnesota. Catherine actually went to West High School. Uh, graduated from there. And a few years back, they were traveling, they went to Nebraska, and they got hit by a truck driver, and their whole family was killed. 
And the worst part about it, it was the truck driver's fault. Everybody who saw it, everyone who witnessed it said the truck driver was driving reckless and he killed that entire family. And Jameson's father was obviously worked up by this. But the truck driver who killed this family got a very, very, very short prison sentence. Only a couple of months. But you know why that truck driver got such a short prison sentence? It was because in the courtroom, Rick Pals pleaded with the judge to show him the most mercy you could possibly show him. And Jameson's father said this. I know how much God has forgiven me. How can I not forgive you? How could we possibly forgive someone? How could you forgive someone for that? Well, the only way you could ever forgive anyone for anything like that, whether it's something big or something small, it comes from knowing that you have a Savior who said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. If somebody does something bad to you over and over again, maybe it happened years ago, maybe somebody's still doing something terrible to you, the only way you can possibly forgive somebody is by knowing the grace and mercy and forgiveness that Jesus first showed you. Because when you realize that you've sinned an infinite amount of times against God, but God still forgives you, that will lead us to forgive others. That will lead you to forgive that ex that you have. Yes, did terrible things to you. But the only way how you could possibly forgive them is knowing what Jesus has done for you. And that person that spread rumors about you, that boss who was cruel to you, those people who did something so bad who said that nasty thing to you, the only way you could ever forgive them is knowing that when Jesus experienced that pain, he said, Father, forgive them. So whether it's something small or something like killing your family in a drunk driving accident, the only way you could possibly forgive somebody is through Jesus, our Savior, our Savior who preached a message of forgiveness. And when he, when he was going through it, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Yes, it will be hard. Yes, it will be hard to follow Jesus' example. But the only way we do this is knowing what Jesus has done for us. Because he cried out for you and me, Father, forgive them. We do this all in his name. Amen. Please stand.